Scrapper fans, welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something, as myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, watch every match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher that we can find. We are now into the year 2015. We've got only five more years of five-star matches to cover, and strangely, that means we're barely at the the halfway point. (laughs) Dave Meltzer went a bit mental. But anyway, um, Simon... What is the match that we are covering today that makes both of our haircuts look dull and uninspiring? Uh, we are covering the fairly good-looking Shinsuke Nakamura, mm. taking on the absolutely stunning Kota Ibushi for the IWGP, always drift up there, um, Intercontinental title at Wrestle Kingdom. I Wrestle forget Kingdom the number. Nine. Although the January 4th Tokyo Dome itself was an event that stretched back to 1990, I believe. But they only started uh, rebranding them Wrestle Kingdom sometime in the mid-2000s. Ah, okay. So so this is our first Nakamura match, our first Ibushi match, I believe our first IWGP Intercontinental Championship match, which was the belt that really defined Nakamura in the uh, latter years of his career in New Japan. And what I think is uh, also, as with our previous match where we were comparing Tanahashi and Shibata to the Tanahashi-Suzuki match, to me, watching this match very much reminds me of another match that we've covered in this series so far, that being Tanahashi against Kazuchika Okada, in that this notion that this is a generational clash uh, uh, going on. And that if Nakamura had stuck around in New Japan, maybe there would this would have been the first of a number of classics between the two of them. Uh, yeah, because um, this this uh, one had the benefit of um, a promo package beforehand, uh, which I watched obviously as I was just like getting my notepad ready and what have you. And I I don't speak Japanese, but it's it it conveyed to me. I don't know if I've nailed this right. That's very much. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura had like beaten a lot of people. Uh, it was you know dominating that belt, uh, and Kota Ibushi in Shinsuke Nakamura's eyes is this young upstart who's disrespected him and is coming for his crown. I don't know if it's even that he's an up upstart. I think I, I, I might be misremembering this, but it all, I think it might have almost been that uh, Nakamura handpicked uh, Ibushi for this match. I might be misremembering. Uh, well, in the promo package. Shinsuke's running his mouth, mm. and Ibushi jumps him and Germans him okay. mid-promo. I don't know if it's mid-victory promo. I can't, I can't remember, mm. but it's, ve- it's very much that Ibushi's marked Nakamura's card in the pre-match package. But they've only fought each other once before in the their rivalry in a singles match. Uh, this is only the seventh match between the two. Uh, eighth match, sorry, between the two at all uh, that doesn't Im- the involving tag teams, the other ones involving tag teams. Um, their previous match was at the G1 Climax in 2013, which, let me just check, was Kyoto Ibushi's G1 Climax debut. Uh, Nakamura coming out the victory in that one as well. 
Ibushi's a fascinating one. He's also not that much younger than Shinsuke Nakamura, even though this is a build as a generational situation. Ibushi was born in May 1982, so that would make him 32 years old at the point of this match, whereas Nakamura was born in February of 1980. So there's barely two years between them, even though it's presented as a generational clash. Yeah. It's the young upstart trying, the younger upstart trying to prove himself on this platform, which is by far the biggest uh, platform that Ibushi has fought on at this point. Um, he's an interesting. He's a he's a very he's a unique uh, soul. Is Ibushi? Uh, apparently, he comes from very in, uh, wealthy family, and so with yeah. it allowed him a certain amount of personal independence that most other young wrestlers don't have. He didn't go through any New Japan Dojo system. I think he was self-taught or something like that. Mm. Might be wrong. Well, they used some uh, DD, DDT That was his uh, home stuff. promotion, yes. They used some of that stuff in the package. You get to see him do a moonsault into, I think it's a river mm. or a lake. Yes. yes, and so he has a very... Uh, that's why Kenny Omega so, saw so much of himself in Ibushi and they became this key partnership because they had this different vision of what... Uh, wrestling can be and that they both saw each other as artists trying to push the medium forward um, mm. and because of that Ibushi was this sort of uh, kind of wandering ronin almost figure to get, keep it within J- Japanese culture that follows wherever his own um, it, his own uh, gut instincts took him whether it was from DDT to New Japan or All Japan or, or going into the US indie scene where he made a name for himself in the sort of 2007-2008 era, appearing in Ring of Honor, um, DD, um, uh, Chikara Wrestling, where he had some class, he had this incredible encounter with El Generico. Uh, he was also in the main event of the very first Evolve Wrestling uh, show against Davey Richards. Uh, oh, okay. Everyone, everyone wanted him. Everyone was courting him, and he never wanted to make a commitment to anyone. Seemingly, the WWE obviously were desperate to have him be the star of their cruiserweight division. It was obvious until he refused the contracts, uh, as did the fellow semi-final loser that they were planning to have uh, Zack Saber Jr. against Kota Ibushi be the final of the cruiserweight classic. Until they both decided they would rather ply their trades elsewhere. Yeah, and now looking at the fact that 205 Live seems to be being have its plug being pulled, um, I, I, you'd say in some respects they made the right choice, um, unless you back them to obviously have branched out into NXT and therefore climb the ladder the other way. Mm. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it didn't turn out too badly for them turning down the WWE. <laughs> but Ibushi had was given so much special treatment. Really, he was he was the first outsider to win the Best of the Super Juniors tournaments. Uh, he was essentially presented as the only equal to Prince Devitt of the New Japan Junior Division. He and Omega won the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles numerous times. Ibushi fought at Wrestle Kingdoms against Prince Devitt and Low Key. Um, the, the New Japan would have loved to have made him the guy that they built the, the Junior Division around, essentially, but he, he wanted to go further. Then he signed a deal with New Japan, a unique deal where he was able to be both a contracted New Japan wrestler and DDT wrestler which New Japan had never done for anyone before then, and to the best of my knowledge, I've never done anything like that since then. Um, and like I said, and we're still in this sort of wandering period of Ibushi, but 
it is this sign that even even now New Japan still sees so much talent in him that they essentially put him in the semi-final of the uh, this Wrestle King their WrestleMania against Shinsuke Nakamura, and they are presenting him as like the heir apparent essentially. And obviously, you'd mentioned um, that he was in his first G1 climax. What two years ago? Two years prior, so a year and a half before then. So that I think that was when he became a dual member of both DDT and New Japan. They upgraded him to a heavyweight at that point. Might as well get some mileage out of him. Mm. I mean, if you're giving a guy a unique deal, you, you're doing it because you you think he's going to. I think your microphone went out there, Simon. There we go. We're good? Yep. Superb. Um, yeah, you give a guy a unique deal, you do that because you think he's important. You don't, as, as you say, you don't do it for just anyone. So like I said, this is presented as a generational conflict and, and these two sort of rock star looking... Well, well, Ibushi looks like a pop star, like a boy band member, whereas Ibushi is this, you know, this Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson inspired guy. And, what you know... I, at this point, Nakamura is probably the most popular wrestler in, in wrestling to just watch enter the ring. Like, his entrances at Wrestle Kingdom were just seen as works of art in themselves. I mean, yeah. when he... when he, And he doesn't you know, do year... a lot extra, like, rather than, like, just walk to the ring. It's, it's his presence which yeah. makes that. Well, his, he... his crown is... Yes, the king of strong style. What's funny about that as well, did you notice what the Tron was doing behind him as he made his entrance? It was sort of like a. Well, I saw the tickers running underneath the Tron. I wasn't. I didn't see the Tron too much. It was itself. playing cards appearing on the screen of all the different members of the New Japan roster, and they all had their own cards. So like, I think Davy Boy Smith was Junior was like the Three of Clubs or something like that. Bad Luck Farley was the Jack of Diamonds or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And what's funny is that at the one point you see Tanahashi, and he is the ace. So depending on how you look at it, how you define what the ace is, that's almost Nakamura saying he is beneath. Tanahashi, and ultimately by holding the Intercontinental title, he is kind of beneath Tanahashi. Well, Tanahashi has on his trunks one out of 100, so yeah, I think he's... That's what that means. There you go. So he's saying he's saying he's one, so he's saying he's a low ace. That's how Nakamura That's that's Nakamura's logic of it, yeah. Um, Whereas, and so Nakamura, like I say, is the king of strong style. And that's funny as well when you go into the opening of the match... Because they don't do the traditional opening cagey start of a wrestling match, which is headlocks, head scissor takedowns. Even in New Japan, you're usually getting that. It's a lot more MMA-esque because both of these guys are very good strikers. And obviously Nakamura himself actually did have an MMA record. Uh, and one of the reasons he was pushed so hard immediately was because he could do what Inoki needed, which was occasionally win an MMA fight. Which no one else in New yeah. Japan was basically doing for him at that <laughs> point. Except for Vegeta and Yasuda, and they were the two like worst wrestlers in the rost in the, on the roster. Doesn't always translate. No. Um, what I like is the little mind games early doors. Yeah. Like the uh, the 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 bit with um, Nakamura having already like wound up Abushi, going in with like mm. that gum shield shit eating grin of his. Yeah. Uh, offering that handshake. And then immediately trying to kick his um, Abushi's face off of his skull. Yeah, the first five to ten minutes of the match are Nakamura mostly overwhelming Abushi, and Abushi not seeming to like. It's almost like the occasions getting to him because by far this is his biggest night 
Whereas Nakamura has that experience of the Wrestle Kingdom main events. You know, he's beaten Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, which basically no one else was doing um, at this point. He sets up a war on two fronts, and I think that's why he he dominates the opening segments. Um, He he enters the... He buys some prime real estate in Kota Ibushi's frontal lobe, Mm. early doors, by messing with him. And then he uses that to open up the physical front. And then he just makes hay while the sun shines early doors. Yeah, and he's just out doing him for the most part. Um, and, and you get the sense that Ibushi needs to up his game as the match is progressing if he wants to not be overwhelmed by Nakamura entirely. Yeah. Uh, like, like, Nakamura just controls him on the ground uh, with, a, with a sort of a cobra twist and a face lock to the point that Ibushi, very early in the match, is having to go to the ropes to escape a submission hold. He can't even escape it early doors like he usually can in these matches. And then, uh, and then it's again. It, Nakamura goes back to um, the mind games. Yeah. Like the, the way he slaps Ibushi shortly afterwards. It's not like he's trying to damage him. He's just like let, let, letting him know he's there and could do it if well, he, he wanted to. He challenges Ibushi to slap to chop him in the chest, and each time that Ibushi does it, he just brushes it off like it's nothing to him. And then he That's hits Ibushi, and Ibushi goes down. I, I I love that little bit there. Just just the brushing, it's like the the naked arrogance of it. Mm. And so, but again, it's like when um, Tyson Fury puts his hand put his hand yeah, behind yeah. his back when fighting Deontay Wilder. Yeah, only lunatics or the extremely confident do it, and sometimes they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, Prince Nazim Hamed, Conor McGregor. There's many. There's a lot of in in Nakamura's swagger that's reminiscent of those guys, really. And yeah. so Ibushi has to bring out the big guns in order to get himself into the match. So he surprises Nakamura with a Hurricane Rana. Then Nakamura gets up on the apron. Ibushi drop kicks him to the floor and then hits his triangle moonsault. And what's also notable with that is usually he his corner moonsault, triangle moonsault, where he does a, he does a, an across, runs diagonally to the corner flips over. Usually he jumps to the second rope and does a moonsault to the outside, but this time he's at the top rope and does it. And it's funny because like, so many times people say, oh, flippy shit to the outside doesn't mean anything, but I think following on like with All Japan, there's a reason that he's doing it at this point because he has to get into the match somehow. And so yeah. the reason that he does it is because Ibushi's been basically taken under control and so he's got to make as much damage to Nakamura as Nakamura's done over an extended period of time in a much shorter space of time. Well, saying flippy shit doesn't mean anything. Clearly, um... It uh, cannot mean anything, but it, it, has, cannot it doesn't mean anything. in this instance. No, no. I was going to say, like, when some of our, our most recent alternates that had um, Shawn Michaels doing some flippy shit to the outside, which had a lot of match meaning and had already had the table set from pre- previous matches as well as if you follow the narrative mm. Mm. flippy shit can have its place yeah so ibushi uh, get it's finally getting back into the match with some drop kicks and running shooting star press and so when nakamura gets back into it he's angry he's affronted and hits some nasty looking knees to the head of of ibushi there's a lot of mma fighting in within this match i think a lot more strong style ultimately which was more strike and submission focused uh as opposed to the you know tanahashi who seems to have more of an almost all japan-esque uh traditional wrestling yeah. ideology in the way that he and okada work this is a lot more down the enochism of of strikes and submission holds mm, like um 
Nakamura's trying to outfight Ibushi. Ibushi's trying to out-wrestle Nakamura. Yeah, but Ibushi does ultimately engage in the strike exchanges as the match goes on, and Ibushi is as good, is yeah. a fantastic striker as well. That's one of the amazing things about Ibushi. He can kind of do everything. He can do power moves, he can do high-flying moves, he can do strikes. He can make okay. it up with whoever's appropriate. Maybe wrestle re- out-wrestle's the wrong term, but he, he's not doing, like, the... Um, simple stuff mm. is he he is doing the uh let's see like the standing um shooting star press mm. and stuff like that like he like you know N- nakamura ex- is showing that you don't need to do that to hurt a guy abushi's yeah. choosing to do yeah. that to like ex- showcase his ability and show that he belongs well he's working with his strengths as well um what's also interesting yeah. is that nakamura is trying to finish this match off all the time he is when he sees openings for the bombaye knee which now he calls the kinshasa uh he's gonna try and take it very early on he goes for the uh, bombaye um out soon after the handshake trick and Ibushi escapes then, and then at this point, after he hits the knees to uh, the top of Ibushi's head, he goes for it again, and, ki- and uh, Ibushi's able to dodge it, and then hits uh, a springboard Hurricane Rand soon into the, uh, later on in that match off the top rope, which is again just him showing his incredible athleticism, and also showing that he is now fully into the match, and it's like a, yeah. they're both taking, the, they're both giving, dishing it out as he's dishing it out as much as he's taking it now at this point. Yeah, and it, it seems like Kota's going deeper into his bag of tricks to try and counteract that as well. Because um, I know it's one of his finishes, but when he goes for the Phoenix Splash, it, it does have that bit of swinging for the fences to it. Yeah, mm. it, it had that feel to me of like, he. It, it seems to me it felt like I absolutely have to hit. This is like 100%. I can't miss this. Mm. But he does. And then he's in deep water, and he's got to try and deal with that pretty much straight away. What I love as well with Nakamura is that he is fighting for everything. Like he does that. The, the, the thing that they like to do in New Japan matches, where they go for the dragon suplex, which requires a full Nelson, they break the hold, and immediately the person who's had it broken turns it into a German suplex or a straight jacket suplex. So Ibushi does that, but then Nakamura is also is able to escape the jerk. So like he knows, he knows the counter to the counter. He knows what's so, coming. You know? Yeah. Um, and then when, when Ibushi's going for his uh, last ride power bomb, I can't remember what his name for it is, uh, Ibushi clings on to the foot. And then you get some sort of, you get like that all Japan spot of trying to hit the big move. It doesn't hit, so then they just start hitting, like, I think there's a few Kawada kicks in there at several yeah. points in this match. But yeah, like I said, Nakamura very quickly gets um, angered at all this. And like, you get the big, nearly a, a finished spot because Ibushi does is able to hit the last ride um, uh, uh, power bomb after after hitting him with a with a kick, um, and then goes for his finisher of the Phoenix Splash, which he misses, and then Nakamura is able to hit his first bombaye in the match. But he's as I say, that is like the deep water I was on about, mm. like because Ibushi's like this. This is it to finish it. Mm. And straight away, he's amongst the sharks. He's in it again. So, like I said, both men get very hot-headed and angry at each other at this point as well. So Nakamura just starts viciously booting him in the back of the head. 
And uh, at one point as well, uh, uh, yes, yeah, and then later on he pushes the ref into Ibushi. Nakamura is essentially wrestling heel in this match. But again, that's great mind games because it gets uh, Ibushi to swing with that big mm. clenched fist, which he immediately gets into an armbar. He knows that Ibushi's going to lose his temper at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I couldn't they, tell. Well, they're both getting uh, into each other's he pushes... heads at this point. Yeah, after he pushes the ref, I I, I watched the, that little section a couple of times, and I can't tell. Is it a forearm to the eye he hits, or do, is there an essence of thumb to the eye? Because it's like a thumb forearm. Well, but... I wondered if it was that like red shoes had accidentally touched, like got him in the eye or something, or if it's just delayed selling because he's still hurt, and that's why he's yeah. his anger is stomping at um uh, Ibushi's back of his head so when he gets up Ibushi there is a look on his face of like I've got you I'm in your head you know and so like I said then they start doing a, like exchanging palm strikes and Ibushi gets the best of it and he's then viciously hitting him as, as uh, Nakamura's getting into the ropes to try and escape him yeah and Ibushi starts stomping on his head you know um, that's how he gets at the armbar that's the, that is a great moment of viciousness it's like Okay, he's got me. Yes, that's it. Yes, yes. But in the process of getting me, he's left his head exposed. I'm going to, ma- I am going to make the absolute best of this situation, and just keeps like stomping, stomping. Little bit of face wash slash like raking as well. I don't know if that's like like a grip issue or something like that, but it does look like he's trying to get a little bit of a uh, bit of a uh, scrape, some scrapage well, on. Like I said, throughout, throughout the match. Ibushi's copying Nakamura's mannerisms, like he does the corner thing where he's he's got his foot on his on him when they're in good the vibrations doing the vibrations. Um, yeah, and then Nakamura returns it, and then later on he does his his pot, you know his his you know the, the classic second rope holding the second rope pose, which to this day Ibushi's doing now in tribute to Nakamura. But it, yeah. like at this point, it's a combination of taunting Nakamura, but also showing. I'm the younger, better you. So move yeah. aside, essentially. Which he does also by hitting the uh, Bumaye to Nakamura mm. shortly after this as well. I thought that was a great moment because that is peak mind games. So this just feels like a nasty fight, like how much they're hitting each other and, and their strikes. And also that when they're going for the strikes, they're trying to dodge the other one, but it's not in a in a choreographed way. Like the one you would... like. I'd say look at this strike exchange and then compare it to an exchange between Loki and the Amazing Red that they'd used to do in, like, all their 2002 matches, which were essentially, like, a choreographed Bruce Lee Kung Fu uh, sequence. And I'm not saying it's not enjoyable, but it's a different feel. And I think more people probably would prefer this version of it, where they're they're hitting and they're trying to evade, but it's it's not sloppy, but it's just... You hit some, you miss some... You you dodge some, you receive some, you know? Yeah, it's natural, it's not smooth. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The Loki Amazing Red, it's smooth, it looks great, it's aesthetically pleasing, but it, it's just not a naturalness to it, which you have here. So essentially, like, Nakamura's being overwhelmed in the finishing stages, similar to how Ibushi was being overwhelmed in the opening stages. Like, uh, like Nakamura charges him, and Ibushi's able to hit him with that, that sort of double-stomp drop kick from a standing position, which is such a cool-looking... Which is like a semi-countery thing. I love it. It did that. It's like his version of Okada's dropkick. And then we get our... Basically, our only insane Ibushi spots, 
Uh, and fortunately, Nakamura doesn't feel the need to kill his neck as much as Naito does when he takes the same move. With his springboard German suplex off the ropes into the ring. And that gets a really long two count. Yeah. And then he goes for one of his uh, trademark moves, which is sort of like it's in a powerball position. And he sort of turns it into a capture bridging suplex. It's hard to explain. But he yeah. gets him up in a powerball position and then he clasps the... Like, Dragon Lee did a similar thing to Takahashi, which broke Takahashi's neck. And Nakamura literally has to headbutt out of it. And then surprises Ibushi with a, a second rope bomber which Ibushi's able to roll out of or something, because he does like... Yeah, that's a bit of... It. Um, a bit... I couldn't quite... A little, a little King's roadie there. Yeah, a little... Yeah. Uh, little well, essence of that felt. And then they both charge and kick each other. It's like like their ver- the, the strong style version of the double clothesline spot. Yeah. Um, Nakamura then is able to hit his one of his trademark moves, which is sort of like a, a fireman's carrier into a Michinoku driver. Uh, other people will do that move. I just can't remember the name for it. And then he's able to surprise Ibushi with a bomber A for a three count. And it is just like Nakamura sneaking out that victory. Yeah. It's the not bomb some a. great decisive dominant victory of the greater one over the young. Like, it's like Ibushi could, it was, you know, either man could have won it at that stage. Yeah, because the way he hits that bomber A, it's not like his, he doesn't yow uh, for that one. He doesn't uh, hit the knee more like he does with a true bomb IA. It's yeah. a very like clutch bomb IA. It's like in the in that moment I, yeah. I do this rather than I set it up and I'm gonna hit this like swing for the fences. He's swinging for the fences but out of desperation yeah. rather than out of like pageantry. Yeah, and that's just enough for him to get the three counts and then he gets into the pageantry post match now he's won the match. And he's actually magnanimous post match and gives Ibushi a fist bump and a sign of you know, yeah, all right, you. Yeah, yeah you, you've got you're good. All right, uh, but He's like a good Ibushi, egg. Ibushi's um, flighty personality means that he's now had to wait an, another five years before he actually does main event to Wrestle Kingdom, presumably at time of recording. Ah, but you know he'll deserve it when he gets and, it. And like it's... I said, and now he's like the guy carrying the torch of Nakamura, and he does still do the pose in tribute to Nakamura now, which. Which stems back from this match, essentially. This mm. was supposed to be his sort of main event, not coronation, but his... Coming out party. That he then doesn't quite... It takes a bit longer than I think everyone at, everyone at New Japan expected. Yeah. But that's but, because know, he's doing other things, you know? Yeah, we got there eventually. Um, but Simon, would you give this match five stars? I... Would not... Uh, it falls, I know we talked about it last episode, it does fall into the trap of, I think I've seen a better variant of this quite recently. Uh, it's very, very, very good, very fun. Mm. Um, love Nakamura's intensity. Uh, it always makes me sad when I see it now, compared to the Nakamura I'm seeing at time of recording. Don't feel sad, he's very rich and he gets to surf a lot. Yeah, he is very rich and he does get to surf a lot, but... I have my own. He won the Royal Rumble and he got to challenge for the world title at WrestleMania, and has won the Intercontinental and the US titles and the NXT titles. He's had a good run here. Yeah, I know. He's I, had I, a good run there. I, I just feel. <sighs> well, maybe we'll. Oh, your mic's gone again, so. No, it's still gone. There it is. 
we're back. Okay. Yeah. It's just with Nakamura. I saw the debut. I saw yeah. the promise. I saw the early like spark, and it was great. It was fresh. It was exciting. And that well, spark never became a flame. I don't know if I'll fully never, never that. aging flame. Never, never like it could have been. He was, he was never. Other than that moment when he was the hottest thing in all of wrestling, there was never a mo- another moment where he was even the hottest thing within the WWE. But I don't think Nakamura's going to look back at this run with great regrets. He might no. have some regrets, but I don't think he'll have great regrets. No, no, really good dancer. Mm. Really good dancer. I ran into him. Um... Didn't speak. Oh yeah, you in the. In the... <laughs> no, no, we we didn't approach him. Um, him or Samoa Joe that night. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, that that, that, that yeah, that, I, that was very weird. The night I um saw Austin Aries sing karaoke, I got pranked by No Way Jose. It was just an odd experience. Uh, let's just just talk about the Nakamura part of this story. Then what happened yes. with Nakamura? Uh, Nakamura. Um. When was this? This was after an NXT uh, house show in Liverpool. Okay. Um, we ended up... I think Robbie Brookside had obviously brought them back to this pub, and we ended up by chance in this same pub. Oh, wow. Uh, so there was Robbie Brookside, Bailey, Carmella, um, Chad Gable, who um, me and my friends said, oh, we were the guys holding up the Gable signs when yeah, you beat the Revival at TakeOver Dallas. He said he remembered us. Ah. I bet he I, that to all the nerds. Yeah, it's one of those. I don't know how genuine he was being or how polite he was being. I'd like to think he was being genuine, but you never know. So was this uh, a case of you going over to their table, or was it just you were all at the bar at the same time? Uh, well, the there wasn't really a table, so to oh. speak. It wasn't a big pub. Oh, okay. Uh, it, was, it was, you sort of walked in and that was it. One of those style pubs. Okay. Um, so like the bar is in a square in the middle they were sort of more one side. We were sort of the other. Um, Who entered first? Did you lot enter first or did they enter first? They entered first, yeah. So, uh, See, it would have been better if you'd have been there first and then they come so you don't look like weird fans that are following them. Well, well no, we didn't they know they were there. Thought, but they might have thought that when you made your entrance, you know? Well, the bouncer did make a point of going, look, lads, just don't bother the wrestlers. And we were like, what wrestlers? What do you mean? We hadn't made the connection that they would be in there even at that point. Um... And then you just saw Samoa Joe. Oh God, the man has such presence in the flesh. Yeah, uh, uh, he he terrifies me. So was Nakamura talking? Was he? Was he? Was no, he, he was himself. He was. He was. At, he was um, just having a bit. There's of, the language barrier. Yeah, he was having a bit of a dance. Um, yeah. He ordered a Jameson's and soda. Yeah. I still remember his drinks choice. There was a great moment where he got all of his. I don't know how often he dealt with pounds before. <laughs> They got all the coins out on the bar and just slid them across one by one to the bartender. You work it out. Yeah. Well, I figure it out. But like he's doing it until it reaches that good point, like like the right point, and they're like hoping they'll go yes, and then just slide all of his coins. Slide the rest back. It. We've Surely all been see, there. They know We've what numbers done. are though. Surely they can figure that out. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. Might have been tired, Jet. Leave, it, leave it be. Leave it be. Anyway, I, I'm not going to question the man. So how long were you in the pub whilst they were there? Did you? Oh. Couple of hours, not an hour, yeah. hour and a half, something like that. A good period of time. And was Gable the only one you ended up talking to? Um, well, as I say, I, I semi talked to No Way Jose. He did that whole shoulder tap, I'm the other side kind of thing. Oh, okay. But he, he did it in a way which absolutely pied me off. And yeah. this was like just as he 
yeah, this is before he went to the main roster. This is when his act was like the most over, I yeah. would say, at the time. Were you um, wearing WWE gear? Would that have made it more obvious? Um, yes, I was mm. in a Sami Zayn shirt. Okay. That night, for example, we were all well. We'd been to a wrestling show, you know. You, yeah. you wear gears like that to wrestling shows, by and large. Or you dress as like a clown or Superman, or wear the same shirt for five years. <laughs> you know, I'll get you attention. Yeah. But anyway, I think we've had enough of your attention. We're trying to make these shorter, but that went off into a weird divergence there towards the end. If people want to get in touch with you, Simon, to talk more about your um, WWE encounters in the real world, how can they do so? Uh, that people can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm sewn under Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the um, the number of seconds it took for everyone on my table to abandon my mate after he smashed a glass, and Samoa Joe stared at him like he wanted to kill him. Oh shit! <laughs> my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U W L A N. If you reverse the N A in Nakamura. That's my email address if you put at gmail.com at the end of it. Otherwise, look for me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Let's Boxed, etc. Buy my book, Conventions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. You can get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com or, or lmtyspodcast or is it lmtyspod at gmail.com? lmtyspod. And lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. Um, what do we got next, Simon, as we continue our New Japan journey as we enter the second half of this 10 matchathon? Uh, we have got the Stone Pitbull, Tomohiro Ishii, terrible pronunciation, I know, uh, versus Tamaki Honma. Tomoaki. I'm going for Honma. Yes. Tomaki Honma. For the vacant, I believe, never open weight Open weight championship. But anyway, until then, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.